Welcome to the Everything I Hate About Me podcast. A podcast of self-reflection in hopes of self-illumination. I suppose the title and premise of this podcast deserves some explanation. I was recently on Dr. D's social network podcast, and the question arose if we would want to meet alternate universe versions of ourselves. I, perhaps, a little too adamantly said that I would, but only for the purpose of punching myself in the face. I know I would have deserved it. I'm sure anyone who knows me well would agree. The conversation then spiraled into how much I dislike myself, and I decided then and there that I should create my own podcast devoted to the topic. That probably sounds uh, fairly dark. It's not meant to be. I just know me. I know what I think. I've heard everything I've ever said and witnessed firsthand everything I've ever done. And there's a lot to like, but there's also a lot that I absolutely detest. That's not hyperbole. It is honest self-reflection. So, here we are. Episode 1 of Everything I Hate About Me. Since I'm talking about the ways I hate myself, I thought I should start with breaking down who I think I am, at least in part. These episodes will be released weekly, but every month will be its own kind of category. Month one is identity or self-identity. This episode is titled, I have too many identities and no identity. I return to certain authors like comfort food, but I do so not in search of comfort, but to be disturbed, to have my boat rocked until it capsizes, to stand drenched upon the shoreline and know with certainty that there is no bridge over these troubled waters. That might sound rather hopeless, but to me it is very exciting. I love to be confounded, to be, as Othello described, perplexed in the extreme. I'm not sure how people go around day after day thinking they are right all of the time. What a terrible trap to be ensnared in, yet I feel surrounded by a populace who adamantly believe that their politics, religions, philosophies, and cultural norms are all correct. We use metaphors to describe our beliefs, such as anchor or solid ground or compass, but all I see are ever-sifting sands on a shoreline slowly but surely eroding into the sea, carried off as so much jetsam. That might all sound quite hopeless to many, but I find it hopeful, for after every destruction, creation is not far behind. Today, I returned to Franz Kafka, 
Again and again I have returned to him and each time his stories feel fresh and alive and full of the type of plain-spoken yet dreamlike passion that my soul longs for. Today I reread his parable, An Imperial Messenger, which tells of a dying emperor who whispers something very specific and of amazing importance into the ear of a messenger and sends the messenger off to deliver this secret to one who is waiting with great expectation for the message to arrive. However, the messenger is blocked by impossible throngs of people, and our storyteller warns us that it would take thousands of years just for the messenger to make their way through the overstuffed palace, and then the overflowing capital city would yet lie before them. In the last lines of the story, we are reassured of the futility of the messenger's efforts. Quote, Nobody could fight his way through there, least of all one with a message from a dead man. But you sit there at your window when evening falls and dream it to yourself. Unquote. In that final sentence, the true tragedy reveals itself as we realize that we were the ones waiting for the message that will never come. How many messages have I dreamed? In how many ways have I sought for purpose and identity to be brought to me? How many hours have I wasted kneeling in prayer or waiting at the window for someone else to tell me who I am and, from this information, what I should be doing? As I pondered Kafka, no, as I was haunted by Kafka, I remembered Ed Tom in Cormac McCarthy's No Country for Old Men, quote, I always thought when I got older that God would sort of come into my life in some way. He didn't. I don't blame him. If I was him, I'd have the same opinion about me as he does. Unquote. I don't suppose that most of us can explain all too well why a line from a book or poem or play or film speaks in such a profound way that we recognize in someone else's words something of ourselves. Beauty reflects our beauty back at us just as ugly reflects our own ugliness. If this doesn't occur, then we are not paying attention or we are just lying to ourselves, which happens often and with great zeal. Life is too short to be honest with ourselves all of the time. Otherwise, how would anybody sleep? We are told all of the time to be present, be in the moment. We are not fast enough to ever truly be in a moment, our brains are always playing catch-up to our senses. There is no identity to be had in the present. We are either the sum of the past, our laws always judge us this way, or a prediction of our future. Here and now do not exist. If they did, then all motion and life would cease. Who among us will stop time and not stop life? Everything is in motion and we identify ourselves by what we choose to remember and how we envision our future. 
every moment is the result of a past command or influence affecting our future in undetermined ways. I believe I learned this from Hamlet, quote, Purpose is but the slave to memory. This world is not for I, nor tis strange, that even our loves should with our fortunes change. For tis a question left yet to prove whether love lead fortune or else fortune love. For the life of me, I cannot find my source, but I know it must have been Harold Bloom who described Hamlet in a way that I've tried to emulate ever since, to allow all perspectives to be at home with me. Surely to a person of morals, this would sound like a distasteful worldview. I cannot argue it. All perspectives are not at home with me. I am too weak to allow it. There are different types of strength. One way to be strong would be as a pillar, standing firm, tall, holding the weight of our neatly designed worldview upon our shoulders. Another way is to be an ocean, to have depth, not height, to allow all people and things to come and go as they please, to fit any shape necessary, to ebb and flow, to be full of life and mystery. You can probably guess which one I want to relate to more. As I was initially rereading Kafka's parable, my ego related to the messenger first. It is said that all of us have a book within us, perhaps an epic novel, and we all want to believe that we know something the rest of the world doesn't, some truth or information that is rather unique to us. Most of us do. That's what makes an expert, and all of us are experts at something. The least educated has some hidden knowledge the most educated is ignorant of. But oftentimes our special knowledge is hidden, even from ourselves, hidden more than likely by our misguided attempts at being right. Our need to be correct blinds us from our own truth. The majority of us will never write that novel. It will remain within us and die within us. I would wager this is because we don't know how to start. Allow me to give you a hint, something so general that it applies to anyone feeling the urge to start telling their own truth. Here's the hint. Most of the great works of literature begin in a place of complete moral ambiguity. This is the chaos from which creation springs. Don't believe me? Take the most influential work of literature in the Western world, the Bible. Where does this epic story begin? Well, in the beginning we find the gods organizing creation out of chaos. Now the word chaos does not find itself within the Bible, but it is inferred in the Judeo-Christian mythology by the way that the gods organize light and dark, the waters of the deep from the waters of the sky. Then when humanity arrives on the scene, neither Adam nor Eve know right from wrong. They are in a moral form of chaos. It is a terrible tradition that we call their ascension to knowledge the fall. We do so 
out of a mistaken idea that the loss of innocence is a tragedy. But the serpent was not lying when it told Eve, you shall not die, but be as the gods. Knowledge unlocks the creator gods in all of us. The real tragedy would have been if Eve were to have been as weak and as cowardly as Adam, uninterested in the joys and sorrows of knowledge and, eventually, wisdom. For it is not enough to know something. The next step is wisdom. Now we have also become the emperor in Kafka's parable, the creator God who endows the messenger with knowledge to be passed on. Mistakenly, we think our message is for the masses and we attempt to get as many likes on our social media posts as possible. But the message is meant for only one soul. One soul waiting in the night longs for the unique message we have for them, but the madness of life keeps us apart. The person our message is for will have to come and find us, leaving the safety of home no longer waiting for the message, but actively seeking it, embarking on a journey that will perhaps never find a conclusion. Emperor, messenger, seeker, pilgrim. We become all of these things, although we are often ignorant or mistaken about which one we are at any given time. I believe myself to be a person who is keenly self-aware, almost too self-aware if there is such a thing, and yet I have rarely if ever understood which role I play at any given time, possibly from a lack of particular rites of passage. I have never known when it was that I became a man, so I am still a boy in my own mind. There is within me too much of the vigor of youth for me to be taken seriously amongst my peers. My spirit is too rebellious for me to ever know what I want to be when I grow up. How much of that assessment is real or imagined, I cannot say, for my purpose is indeed the slave of my memory of self, and myself is legion. I am son, daughter, brother, sister, friend, foe, missionary, pagan, atheist, young man, old man, not a man at all, and more than anything, human. I am the multitude of contradictions between those things I have wanted to be but am not and those things I never wanted to be but am. As Neil Diamond emoted, I am, I cried, I am said I, and I am lost, and I don't even know why. Are you lost, dear listener? If not, then you are lying to yourself, and you need to get lost. Get lost in the search for the message that you yourself created, whispered to the messenger, and have sent yourself to find. Be a pillar at times, and at other times be a Samson, and topple all of the pillars, destroying yourself so that you can create yourself. Perhaps your structure is good and you just need a remodel. Perhaps your foundation is good and you just need a new structure. Perhaps it all has to go so that something completely new can be built in its place. You won't know until you begin knocking down the walls of self-perception. I am telling this to you, but really to myself, 
We think we are ourselves, but we are not. I'll give you an example. Our body's skeleton grows until reaching its adult size, but then, in a process that takes about 10 years, it regenerates. Every 10 years, the human body basically regenerates a new skeleton, a new foundation, a new form. It's all happening inside, inside of ourselves, we have become new. The outer layers of our skin are accomplishing this process at a much faster rate through exfoliation. At all moments of the day, our outermost layer of self is being shed and replaced with new skin. We think we are ourselves, and we are, but we are not. We are always in process of becoming something new. The only way to stop regenerating is to stop time, and in doing so, stop ourselves. In Christian terminology, this is the definition of damnation, no longer able to follow Eve in becoming as the gods. I don't want to be stuck as Adam wanted to be confined within my own definition of self, unable to break free of who I have been told I should be and what I should do, I want to be Eve with a self-identity so strong that I can have the courage to become something new and reform and renew again and again and again. I want to embrace my own mystery. Far too often, I am a cowardly Adam damned by the fear of self-actualization, so sure of my obedience to what is right that I forego my own evolution. It is in these moments, as I am sitting at the window waiting for purpose to come into my life, that I am filled with self-loathing.